If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of, where are we starting today? Let's see, um, Exodus. I feel like Exodus today. I'm going to share uh, some wonderful truths with you from a few different sections of Scripture. Um, I want to say to those of you who are with us for the first time today, welcome. One Cause Church, we're very glad to have you. And for all of you that come every week, welcome. Very glad to have you. Uh, those of you who come once in a while, welcome. We're glad to have you. would like to have you more. Uh, but uh, thank God for you. Um, Heather and I are really blessed to pastor this great church. I was in Granbury on Wednesday night, our Granbury location with Pastor Brandon. And uh, <clears throat> there's something really awesome going on in Granbury. Um, uh, people are getting filled with the Spirit. How many of you know that when that happens... Uh, the limits are pretty much off. I mean, if you're willing to speak in tongues, you're kind of crazy. All right? Amen. Any crazy people out here today? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So I've preached on the baptism of the Spirit there because they haven't had much experience in that and um, had two uh, older women, actually. God bless the older ladies. Uh, and they were both filled with the Spirit that night, going back to do a part two in January with them on a Wednesday night, and we're expecting many more to receive. So uh, great things are happening there, and I just want to say thank you for your prayers and continued support for Granberry as well as Dallas and Deleon. God's doing mighty things in One Cause Church. Pray. Amen. Pray. So uh, I, I had a friend that sent me this email and told me these are things that uh, he thinks about, and sometimes they keep him up at night. So I thought I would share his, uh, his silliness with you. Is that all right? Can you take a little silliness before we get seriousness? Amen. Okay. He, one of the thoughts was, can, he was wondering, is can you cry underwater? How important does a person have to be before they are considered assassinated instead of just murdered? Why do you have to put your two cents in but only a penny for your thoughts? Where is that other penny going to? Once you're in heaven, do you get stuck wearing the clothes you were buried in for eternity? <laughs> oh, some of you think like that too, apparently. You have a good laugh. What disease did cured ham actually have? <laughs> what, why is it that people say, I slept like a baby when babies wake up like every two hours? Why are you in a movie but on a TV? On TV, I'm sorry, not on AT. Ah, I ruined that one. Okay. <laughs> Why am I reading these? Why do people pay to go up tall buildings and then put money in binoculars to look at things on the ground? <laughs> Why do doctors leave the room while you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Well, <laughs> Why do toasters always have a setting that burns the toast to a horrible crisp which no decent human being would ever eat? If Wiley Coyote had enough money to buy all that Acme stuff, why didn't he just buy dinner? <laughs> if corn oil is from corn and vegetable oil is from vegetables, then what is baby oil from? <laughs> Do the alphabet song and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star have the same tune? You're all singing it in your head right now. 
Well, let's move forward now. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3. Yeah, I'll pray for my friend. And verse 1 says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. Everybody say back of the desert. And came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Now let's jump over to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we'll start in verse 10. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we, all, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he went and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now lastly, we'll go to Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Say this, that includes me. Amen. You're a part of all people. For there is born to you this day, to you, did you hear that? Born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known, widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Father, we love you. We thank you for your great love for us. In this is love. Not that we loved you, but that you first loved us. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we understand today, we are aware of right now that every good thing in our life has come, does come, and will continue to come from you. Thank you for that. Thank you that you bless us so abundantly with such a great salvation. What a great salvation was brought to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection from the dead. And Lord, today we stand in the, that liberty, that liberty which was paid with the high price of our Lord and Savior's life so that we could be free from our sins. Thank you for that. And Lord, we, we, we set our minds on the word right now at this moment. We set our hearts to give attention, to hear what you are saying, God, because we understand that your word is life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. So we set our attention to it. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
in the knowledge of Christ to be upon your people, that you would grant that to them today, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, Lord, that everything that is said today, Lord, would be fruitful and that it would multiply in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. These stories, these three stories, what do they have in common? What, what do, oh, listen to the sound of rain. Isn't that beautiful? What do these stories have to do with one another? There's one common thread here, and that is that all of these have to do with shepherds. Moses was a shepherd keeping his father-in-law's sheep on the back part of the desert. He is the first shepherd we're going to look at. We're going to call him the remote shepherd. Moses had been there for 40 years serving his father-in-law and tending his sheep and taking care of them after he had fled Egypt. He had murdered a, an Egyptian young man in defense of actually one of his Hebrew brothers, buried him in the sand and ran for his life. So now that was a, he was about 40 years old at that time and now he spends the, less, the next 40 years of his life in the desert tending sheep. Now he's 80 years old when this marvelous happening takes place and you have to imagine, you know, when I think about this, I think about how Moses was thinking at this point in his life and about his life and about the end of his life and what it would look like. Would he just fade out in, into nothing out there on the back of the desert where it didn't really matter? But yet he had no idea God had something marvelous to show him. God knew where he was, and not only did he know where he was, he called him by name. I want to say that to you today. That same God who called Moses on the back of the desert knows your name and knows exactly where you are. Amen. You might feel remote. You might feel far away from where you want to be or where you think you should be. Let me tell you something. God knows it. He yeah. sees you. He Amen. sees your need. He sees your desire. He knows where you are. Even, yeah. the, even in the remotest place, you can be as remote as southern Oklahoma, and he knows exactly where you are. And he knows your name. That's a good to know. Because we like when people know our name, don't we? We do. We like that. I, I appreciate that. You know, that's one of the things uh, you kind of like to hear your name. You know, when you hear your name at Starbucks, then your drink is ready. So, uh, and I appreciate that, Cameron, for taking care of all of us. Um, but, uh, and, and you don't really like when your name is mispronounced, though. You may know what I'm talking about. How many of you have a name in here that gets confused with other names? And you find yourself repeating that name. Our daughter, Laurel, bless her heart, Laurel. It's a beautiful name, but hardly ever do people get it right the first time. Laura, oh, hi, Lauren. Laurel. Hi, Laura. Laura. Oh, never mind. Okay. Just call me whatever. But we like to hear, and, and I was at, when I was at Starbucks some time ago, I told them my name, and when I went over to get my drink, thank God they didn't call that name because that drink would still be there today, But because the cup said Harry on it. Harry? All right. Eric, Harry. All right. When, when me and my brother and sister were small children, we went up to Minnesota. We used to go up to Minnesota every summer because my mother's dad lived there. We loved our grandpa, and he'd take us fishing up there. There's only like 10,000 lakes to choose from, and, uh, and he was an avid fisherman, and, and we, we learned a different kind of fishing there than we did in southern Oklahoma. In, in Oklahoma, we uh, we you know, fish with a rod and reel or with a trot line, uh, but he taught us, uh, he just gave us what he called jiggle sticks, and it was just a little cane pole, and we'd just hold it there, and we'd just jiggle it. And then sure enough, sure enough, we'd, we'd get fish and caught lots of, they call them sunnies up there. We call them perch here. But 
Good stuff. Good times. But this one particular summer, he took us up to a place in Brainerd, Minnesota. Anybody here ever been to Brainerd, Minnesota? How about Paul Bunyan land? You ever been to Paul Bunyan land? You have? All right. Paul Bunyan land. So we approach, we drive up to this this park, this theme park, and, and as me and my brother and sister are walking into the gates, there before us is this giant statue sitting on a chair named Paul Bunyan. And the moment we saw him, he said to us, Hello, Eric and Brandon and Jennifer Holler, all the way from Thackerville, Oklahoma. I couldn't believe this machine could talk, but then I couldn't believe that he knew my name. It was extraordinary. I'll never forget that. And we looked at each other. How does he know? How does he know our name? Paul Bunyan knows our name. He knows where Thackerville is, too. Or he's heard of Thackerville. We like, to hear, we like to hear a name. Whatever it is that you're waiting for, you might feel like that you're far away from that place and that nobody is calling your name. You're waiting for that name, your name to be called for that job, that promotion, that opportunity, that education, whatever it might be. But I want to encourage you today. God knows that. He knows where you are, and he knows you by name. Take comfort in that. That's what this remote shepherd can teach us today. That it's not over. There is always hope. And if God has to appear to you in a burning bush, that would be cool. He'll do it. He'll find you. He'll let you know that he knows where you are and he knows you by name. Then uh, we're going to, now I want to jump over to 1 Samuel chapter 16 here. uh, Verse 10, I believe. Is that right? How's the camera work today? Am Am I a mess for you to follow? Is that right? <laughs> I want to think about them doing that. Thank you so much. Can everybody give the camera girl a big hand today? She's doing a marvelous thing. Miss Brooke Robertson, God bless you. Verse 10, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now, it's kind of interesting that the Lord had given Samuel, the prophet, specific instructions to go to Jesse's sons, and he would anoint one of them as king as he had already rejected Saul. And as as we have looked through the Old Testament, uh, you know, much of that in our Route 66 series, which, by the way, we will kick that back off in January, and we'll be starting in in, uh, Jeremiah at that point. But... You see that if, a, if a, a prophet gave orders and those orders were not obeyed, people died. There was a lot of trouble uh, that happened. A lot of trouble came into their life. And so it was not a good thing, that's all I'm saying. So when the prophet spoke, because he was speaking for God, then that people obeyed. But Jesse, think about this. Jesse did not think enough of David. He was willing to take the risk to not even bring David to the sacrifice. He brought his other seven sons, Eliab being the oldest and the strongest. And, but God, one at a time, rejected each of those seven sons. And then, verse 11, look what the prophet says. Uh, are all the young men here? And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. In other words, he's really insignificant to what's going on here. And Samuel said, get him. And when he walked through the door, God said, arise and on him, this is the one. And even Samuel was taken by that because he was looking at Eliab, strapping, big strapping young man. I'm 
powerful looking, tall. And he said, surely the hand of the Lord is upon him. The Lord said, no, you're looking at the outside, but I'm looking at a heart. I'm looking at a heart. Why is David, why is he out in the field? Don't really know why, but this next shepherd is the rejected shepherd. And he's going to teach us something today about how God accepts you and God anoints you despite what men do. The Bible's not real clear to us about why there was this trouble in the family, but there are a few scriptures that allude to it. And I just want to look at a couple of those things to help us maybe understand why David was not invited by his own father, but left out in the field to watch the sheep. Let's look at uh, what was the next scripture? Isaiah, I mean, uh, Psalm 51, 5, I believe. This is David speaking. And he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Some scholars believe that, that David's mother was not actually the mother of the other brothers. He was the brother of a, another mother. We don't. Now that's just speculation, but it's pretty good speculation. Uh, because of this verse right here and the fact that his dad didn't bring him the sacrifice. And then in Psalm 69, he says some other troubling things about his home life. Watch this. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Interesting. And in verse 12, those who sit in the gate speak against me and I am the song of the drunkards. So not only is this in the family, this, this trouble and, and, and maybe his questionable birth, but it, he's a mockery out in public. So David is brought up under a lot of scrutiny and scorn. And, and uh, so now we kind of see a little bit here and, and why maybe his dad didn't bring him because he did not consider David like a son even though he was. They left him out in the field, and yet God saw David there, didn't he? And though he had been rejected by his own and become a laughingstock in town, God loved him, God accepted him, and God anointed him. Because God wasn't looking at the appearance. This is beautiful. God wasn't looking at the outside. He, was, he saw a heart. As a matter of fact, later on, God himself spoke of David and said this, this is a man after my own heart. This is a man after my own heart. And so we can see that when we read the Psalms and understand that while this shepherd boy was out in the field, and this is a very dangerous job this young man had, uh, that, that he was saying marvelous things. Uh, you read the Psalms, and some of those things were penned out there during that time. Think about it for just a moment. Psalm chapter 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Who has set your glory above the heavens? Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. The New Testament says you have perfected praise. Hallelujah. Because of your enemies to silence the, uh, uh, the avenger. And then he says, when I consider the heavens and the works of your hands, the moon and the stars that you've ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you would visit him? He also said, uh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth, even though David had been rejected and, and, and very well could have been chalked up as just one more victim in society. Bad things happened to him, so he's the product of that. Yet, no, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. That's not going to define who I am. That rejection is not going to determine my outcome. My outcome, my hope comes from God. 
That's what he said. I will lift my eyes to the hills. And there comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. And being out there with those sheep, he understood what it meant for the shepherd to care for those sheep. He understood what that meant. And, and then he drew a parallel and thought, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. Because those sheep all by themselves, they have no way to defend themselves. They'll die. They have to have somebody caring for them. And your life, you were created in such a way that you depend on him. If you're really going to live the life that God's called you to live, it's going to take full dependency upon him. Understand that he's my shepherd, so I'm going to lack for nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. And it was a very dangerous job. Because later on, when David was stood before Saul and telling him, I can take out this big giant known as Goliath, I can do that. What gave him that confidence? Because, because God had already approved him, and he knew that. And when God was looking at all the strength, all of his brothers, how strong they looked and how very capable they looked, yet God overlooked all of them and saw David and said, I'll take him. And David, that's all he needed. He said, this giant's going to be nothing. I've got giant brothers. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's nothing. As a matter of fact, I can, I can tell you, King, that one day I was out in the sheepfold and the lion came and took one of my lambs and I chased that lion down, as the King James says, and I smote him and slew him. In Texas, that's beat the mess out of him. And I rescued that lamb from his mouth. And then a, another, a bear also came and took one of my lambs, and I beat that bear to death, and I rescued that lamb too. And this giant's going to be just like them. Wow, so this is not a job, obviously, for a boy, yet this is no average boy. And God saw him, and God loved him, and God accepted him, and God anointed him. No matter what kind of background you've had, maybe you were rejected as a child. Maybe your parents, grandparents, loved ones, friends, you have rejected by someone down the line. Spouse, I don't know what your situation is. Listen to me. That does not have to determine your life. Hallelujah. Because you've already been loved and accepted and anointed by your heavenly Father. Later on, we understand that this did, not, this did not define David, this rejection, because in 1 Samuel chapter 22, look at this marvelous story. First Samuel, now he's, he's been anointed king, except he's, on, uh, he's, he's running for his life from King Saul, because King Saul is still alive, and he's very envious of David because he sees the obvious hand of God. He even admits that the hand of God is upon him. But he just couldn't take it, especially when he heard that song that those people were singing. And it was the number one download on iTunes. And it went like this. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And that uh, just grated on him. And, and, and because Saul was a, a great king, but he had to understand that all the people saw that David was a greater king. So then his song became, why is everybody always picking on me? So he, he went after David, and he was hunting him down like a dog, and David was hiding in caves and stuff, and this is where he comes here to this cave, the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to meet him. Verse 2, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Welcome to the ministry, David. So he became captain. I like to put pastor over them. And there were about four. I'm not saying that about y'all. Okay. I don't know. Other churches. 
And, and there were about 400 men with him. And this is what the church is about, though, isn't it? Right? Give people, these people need hope. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab and said to the king of Moab, look at this, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. Isn't this marvelous? So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. David didn't hold this rejection against his dad. Matter of fact, when his dad needed him, he was there for him and cared for him because he didn't need their approval. He didn't need their seal of approval to authenticate him. He already had it from God. God loved me. God accepted me. God anointed me. That's the kind of life I'm going to live. And see, that way you can understand that you are always, you always will be able and capable through him to reach out to others. Yeah. Even the very Amen. ones who have rejected you. Amen. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Even Amen. the very ones who have rejected you. You continue to be kind. You continue to love anyway. All right, let that be your testimony because God already has accepted you. Right. All right. And the scripture tells us, even as Christ forgave us, so let us forgive others. Yeah. Right. Hmm? Right. My dad taught me a principle years and years ago, and I found it to be so helpful in my life. He said, son, if the bridge in any of your relationships is burning, you throw water as far as you can. You do whatever you can. You can't, you can't make up their mind for them, but you can continually do the right thing. Yeah. Amen. Right. I want to go to one last scripture. And that's found in Luke 2. The remote shepherd and the rejected shepherd have spoken to us. And now we're going to look at these other shepherds here. And verse 8 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now these shepherds are unnamed. They're unnamed. Just regular guys. The regular shepherd. The guys who just go to work and go home. Go to work. Go home. Matter of fact, their home was there with the sheep. They were living out in the fields. These are, the, these are before the cowboys of our time. Living out with the sheep because it's a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week job. And because of that, <clears throat> they start smelling like those sheep because a sheep out in the pasture is just as filthy as a pig. When, you, when, when they get ready to... to to give up their resources of their wool and those kinds of things, they've been thoroughly cleaned up at that point. But when they're out in that field, they're just nasty. And those shepherds are out there with them, caring for them, watching over them, defending them, you know, keeping them from predators. And so they're just out amongst them. And so as a result, these shepherds did not have the opportunity, like so many others, to go to the temple and, and worship the Lord and, 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 and offer up sacrifices uh, for the sin offering and all those kinds of things. However, think about this. And, and as a result, they were looked down upon, especially by the religious people. As a matter of fact, a shepherd's, a shepherd's uh, testimony would not stand in any court. They were, they were jeered at and sneered at and looked down upon by many and yet so depended on by the people. Because the shepherds are the one who raised those lambs to bring to the sacrifice, to bring there, to sell to the people so that, that they could continue those sacrifices. And yet those very same people who depend on them look down on them. Amen. It's kind of like our truckers. Anybody here drive 18-wheeler or have driven 18-wheeler, right? I mean, these guys, I appreciate them. I don't like them being in the fast lane. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
that can seem to be in the way, but we so depend on them, sometimes we get our, uh, our priorities out of whack, right? Amen. So these guys were, here they are, just on the job, just doing what they knew to do, being regular guys, and suddenly, suddenly this angel shows up. And it had to have been a very scary moment for these shepherds because already they feel the judgment of others thinking, okay, final judgment is here. But the angel said, don't be afraid. It says that they were, they were terribly afraid. I like the way the King James says that too. It says they were sore afraid. I mean, you've got to be shaken hard to get sore from, from being afraid. I mean, these guys were so afraid that it made them sore. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around, around them, and they were greatly afraid. But then the angel said to them, don't be afraid. That must have been music to their ears. And it got better. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to who? How many? See, this is why we're continuing to bring good news here, because this good news is for all people. This is what the, whole, this is what the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is all about, that Christ came to earth. He was born of a virgin. Hallelujah. He grew up and, 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 and strong in the Lord and in the wisdom of God, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then he carried our sins to that cross on Calvary and allowed them to nail him to that cross and bore every curse, every sickness, every disease, every sin of all mankind for all time that once for all sacrifice bled out and died there with his last words being it is finished they buried him in a tomb but God raised him from the dead three days later and that's the good news because that is what brought peace to us it was the end and the, to the rage and havoc of war. It, was, it brought us to a state of national tranquility with God. No longer were heaven and earth at war. Now they were at harmony. And God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. See, when God looks at the world, he's not looking at a sinful world. He's looking at a reconciled world. This is the good news. This is what makes the gospel such good news. Are you hearing me? Because this is how God sees us. Oh, there's so much sin in the world. Yeah, I know. But there's a lot more grace than there is sin. Yeah. But Jesus died for our sins. And God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. As I've told you before, God sees the world. He's not angry with the world. If he is, he's not just. Because he poured out his wrath on his son. And his son either took it all or he didn't. God sees a reconciled world. Wow. But men have to believe that. That's what Paul said. Now he's given us that ministry of reconciliation as though Christ were, were on his behalf. We're speaking on his behalf. Be reconciled to God. Well, how do I be reconciled to God? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he died for your sins. Accept that only he can make you right with God. Believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. He is the hope for all mankind. And there is no other name by which men can call on. No other name by which men can be saved. Except that name, Jesus. There's salvation in that name. As a matter of fact, that name means deliverer. Deliverer. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. That's it. Believe that he died for your sins, that he was buried, and that God raised him from the dead. The world has been reconciled. God has reconciled the world through Jesus. Wow. 
This, this, this became their message. They were just working their job, and the next thing, this angel comes, and then a whole bunch of angels come and say, peace on earth, and then they said, we got to go, we got to go see this thing. We got to go find this baby. He's born to us. We got to go find this Savior, and they found him, and the scripture says that when they saw him, that they went about widely spreading this news, telling everybody what they had seen, and so many that had heard, had heard what the shepherds said, they marveled at they said, and they wondered at those things. Wow. But they just went to work. They were just regular guys going to work. On November the 19th, we were awakened by the fire, all call tone at 5.41 a.m. I was riding the fire engine that day. So I rushed to the fire engine and got bunked out in my gear as quickly as possible. The notes stated the area of fire by a passerby, but not the exact uh, address, which usually means we have a good fire. We arrived on the scene to a house with a lot of fire coming through the roof and protruding 40 plus feet into the dark sky. When I opened the door to the fire engine, I was met by a frantic elderly lady screaming, my granddaughter is in the house. Now I have only been awake a few minutes from dead asleep to arriving on the scene was four minutes. I immediately pulled the 150 foot section of the fire hose off the engine and stretched it to the front door, getting ready to go in. While I was doing that test, the woman told the driver of the engine that her granddaughter was in the back corner bedroom and showed him where. My captain gained that information and called over to me. I then pulled the hose to the side of the house for protection and dropped it. We knew, we both knew what needed to be done without hesitation. There is a saying in the fire service, risk little to save little and risk a lot to save a lot. And a human life is a lot. The windowsill stood, was six feet high, I clicked into my air mask and proceeded to the window. My captain said, jump, and I'll push you in the rest of the way. Well, that's what I did. It went fast, way fast. I was in the house without water protection. Very dangerous. But we train a lot. I landed on the bed, swept the bed, and felt nothing. I proceeded to do a right-hand search following the room walls in a counterclockwise direction. I came to the far corner and saw the fire in the hallway heading towards me. My captain straddled the window on the left side at his hips. He felt left of the bed and yelled at me saying, I think I feel a foot. I made my way over there and found her on the floor. As I quickly picked her up, he grabbed her out the window. She was not breathing. She had no pulse. She was dead. He ran to the curb and started performing CPR with two others that had just arrived on the scene. I was told this later as I thought she wasn't going to make it. I was still in that room and the heat was getting more intense now the entire time in this house, I had zero visibility. As I went to get out of the window, my foot became tangled up on what I can only guess was the blanket that the little girl was partially in on the floor. It seemed forever, but it was only about 20 to 30 seconds before I freed my leg. At that time, it was hot, even through all my protective gear. I bailed out the window head first. Remember, it was six foot high. Yes, I landed right on my head, and it stunned me for a minute. I got up still on air, and went to the front of the house. The girl was gone in the ambulance by that time, and I was met by my captain at the front. We grabbed the fire hose and were in the first attack team in the fire. We went in about 15 to 20 feet and were being pushed hard by flames all around us and above us. A second line came in behind us to help, but the fire had gotten too much headway on us because of doing the rescue first. We backed out after a few minutes and went defensive on the fire and protected the exposures, the houses on each side. The fire was eventually put out, and we were exhausted. From the time we woke up from a dead sleep to getting on scene, 
to getting the little girl out of the house was only nine minutes. God was on our side, and we felt it that morning, and I am so grateful. This special girl will have many years with her family, and they will get to see her beautiful face as she grows into a beautiful woman. This past Saturday, we were reunited with little Arwen. The media was there, which I wasn't fond of. I just wanted to see her and hold her that day. And obviously, she was shy, just like most smaller children around a lot of new people. The next morning, Arwen and her sister were part of our association Christmas shopping spree, and we got the privilege of going shopping with her to pick out some gifts. God is good all the time. This happened to somebody that you see on a regular basis. And he's sitting right over there. Shane Walker was the one who rescued that little girl that day. Regular guy going to a regular job and experiencing spectacular things because God's hand is on his life. God's hand is on your life. And understand that this is where God will meet you in the regular daily routine. You're just living your life, but having an expectation, anything's possible. Having an expectation that the message that is in you must be heard by someone you come in contact with. You have the words of life. It's not right to just keep them to yourself. Not when we're looking out at this sighing, dying, crying humanity. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. How will they believe if they don't hear? How will they hear without you? The remote shepherd, the rejected shepherd, and the regular shepherds teach us today. God knows where we are. God knows our name. God loves us, accepts us, and anoints us. And God gives all of us this message to share with this world. Father, we love you today, and I thank you for all these that are under the sound of my voice, whether they're sitting here in this room today or they're listening by podcast or watching by video. We thank you, Lord, for this great message that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. What an awesome thing it is to know that you are with us in our everyday lives, Lord, so that we can expect supernatural things, even as you showed that remote shepherd the miraculous. You showed that rejected shepherd the mantle of anointing. And you showed the regular shepherds the Messiah. It's nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nowhere is too far and no person is too far gone. You know us all and you love us all. Therefore, you have called us all by your grace. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're here today and things in your life have happened that just have just been unjust, have not been right, not by any fault of your own, but things happened. But, but you've allowed those things to become somewhat of a crutch in your life to either cause you to 
to kind of self-sabotage where you'll be going well, good for a little while, but then you'll find yourself going off the cliff again and then you'll, you'll blame it on that situation or that person or that experience and you find yourself just can't seem to break through. Today, I'm, I want you to understand God has already loved you and accepted you. Accept His acceptance and leave everything else where it is. Leave the past where it is. Paul says, one thing I've learned about life, one thing I do, I, I'm, I, don't, I, don't act, I don't confess or say that I've attained it all or that I have apprehended anything, but one thing I've learned to do, forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. When you allow Christ into your situation right now where you are, you can look back as David did and said, when I look behind me, I see nothing but goodness and mercy following me. Goodness and mercy following me. When I look ahead of me, I see goodness and mercy in that path ahead. Just every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. If you're here today, say, Pastor Eric, you're talking to me. I've been holding on to stuff. I've allowed experience. I've let people, let things that hurt me define me and, and, and affect the choices that I make. And I found myself continually tripping up as a result of that. But today I want to, by faith, release them. Release that and leave the past where it is. Are you here? Just raise your hand. I want to just pray for you right where you are. Father, you see these hands here in this room today. Lord, you see them reaching out to you. And they're saying, I'm letting go of what was and I'm holding on to my Father with everything in me. Attaching myself to the Lord. Fully trusting in, clinging to, and relying on Him. And I thank you, Father, right now that you are a very present help in time of need. That they will walk out of here today free from that bondage in Jesus' name. Free from the lies. Free from the accusation. Free from the hurt in Jesus' name. Free free, free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I want to declare over you right now, you are free right now. It's over right now. It's a new start right now. It's a new beginning right now. And God is with you right now. And he is there to lead you, to guide you, to help you make the right kinds of choices, to lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you, Father, for freedom in this place today. Thank you for how you've come and ministered to us by your Spirit, touched our lives, changed our lives, and that we'll leave here forever affected, forever changed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Praise God. I love you guys very much. Shane, so proud of you, man. Love you. Let's stand together. Pastor Jeremiah is going to come dismiss you. Don't forget. Wednesday night, we're going to have a blast in here, all right? Uh, so uh, my son, let me just kind of make an excuse for my son, you know, that did the kazoo thing. He did get stomped by a bull earlier, uh, so <laughs> something probably happened up here. I don't know. So anyway, that's uh, <laughs> uh, great. So uh, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, come and let's have a great time. God bless you. We love you very much. Amen. What a great sermon. It's, uh, it's an honor to come to church, and the Sunday before you think you've heard one of his best sermons, and then you come the next Sunday, and he preaches something even better. It's, please don't, don't take this church lightly, and don't take this pastor lightly. 
He is an amazing man, and it's such an honor to serve. He didn't pay me to say this, but it's, it's such an honor to, to hear him speak and, and get all you can out of it. Makes you want to be a shepherd after hearing that sermon. Also, if you're from the age of 18 to 25 and uh, you want to come hang out with me at our Christmas party, my wife will be cooking. Um, I think there's a karaoke contest. There's a best dress contest. I mean, we got a bunch of stuff. She made a board game. Um, so uh, please come. Uh, we're going to be at Pastor Eric and Heather's house. If you need directions, come find me. And let me pray over you all some scripture and uh, bless you all out today. Father God, I thank you for this amazing congregation, this amazing church. I thank you, Father, that the word that went forth, that it will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in each and every person's lives. Father, I thank you for the word that went forth, that it will bear good fruit and good on good soil and good ground in each and every person's heart, mind, and soul, and it will bear fruit 30, 60, and even 100-fold. Father, I think you says in your word, if God is on our side, what can man do to us? And I thank you that greater are you that's in us than anything that's in the world. Father, I thank you that each and every person here has the mind of Christ and their body is the temple of the Most High God. And where you reside, Father, no sickness or disease can reside there because by Jesus' stripes, each and every person here is already healed. Father, I thank you that the favor of God is on everyone in this room, surrounds them like a shield and it goes before them because they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and they're blessed in the field. They're blessed where they are right now and they are blessed where they are going because everything they put their hands to must prosper because they are your sons and daughters. Father, finally, I thank you that everyone here is the salt and light of the earth. They're a city set on a hill, and they will go out and share this amazing gospel. And if it changed our lives, it'll change our neighbors' lives. It'll change our families, our coworkers, our friends, anyone we come in contact with, because you're a good God and you want to do good things to your people. Bless your people as they go out until they return again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank, thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.